Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to The Final Curtain. Ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. I'm Shirley Welsh, host of Death Cafe Dunedin, where people meet in all sorts of places to drink tea, eat cake and discuss death. In this program, we break the taboo around talking about death and hear firsthand from New Zealanders about their experiences and their perspectives. Today I'm talking to Austin. A parent's worst nightmare came true for Austin when his teenage son Josh was knocked over and killed by a car. Austin, what would you say to a parent who lost their child suddenly? Yeah, um, it's a very difficult thing to say anything at first because so many emotions are all over the place. Um, A lot of parents don't want to hear anything from people um, and that's totally understandable. I think a lot of parents would want to hear from someone who has been in that boat and all I can really say is that there is life around the corner it does take a long time don't be ashamed of any times when you may forget that you're grieving because that's what used to happen to me a lot (laughs) I forget that there is something going on and then have this terrible feeling of guilt and that's, I've heard that from other grieving parents as well. So all there really is is time. Surround yourself with people who you trust. That's very important too. And, uh, yeah, as I say, there, there will be a life around the corner one day. So how long ago did Josh die, Austin? Yes, yeah, so Josh died in 2012. Did you have any um, inkling that something was amiss before you heard that he had he'd been hit by a car? Yeah, well, it was a funny evening. It was a horrible, windy evening, um, last day of May. And uh, we had arranged to go to the gym, and he hadn't... after school, and he didn't come back from school, which wasn't particularly unusual for any child of that age. They decided to go with their friends and things. So I went to the gym without him, came back, and he still wasn't home. I did have a funny feeling that something was wrong. So how did you find uh, out what had happened? um, Well, I just had a lone policeman come up. It was dark that time of year. Um, probably getting on for about 7 o'clock in the evening and um, shining his torch at me and um, even though I was worried something had happened it was more a case of that John Josh was in trouble so I had a feeling I went out there my eyes kind of rolling at the policeman saying what's up, what's happened and then, uh, then he came in Mm-hmm. And then he came in and um, 
very difficult job for the guy. Uh, I appreciate that. And um, Carl told me reasonably matter-of-factly that um, Josh had been in an accident with a car and um, had passed away. And then? Um, he... Uh, uh, there was a, a, a moment of silence, as you can imagine, and shock. Um, I need to sit down. I, I remember shaking. Um, uh, my words were, um, it's not something I normally say, because um, I'm not someone who things were, oh my God. Um, and... Uh, Perhaps a little bit after that is a bit of a blur. Um, I was on my own. It was just me and the policeman in the house. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> the guy isn't a counsellor or there to console, I guess. There was no words of um, sympathy from him or anything like that. Um, and uh, it was a matter then of he needed to inform his mother. And so he, so the policeman left? Uh, no, he... Um, my memory's a little bit blurred on why I went with him. I don't whether it was because he didn't want me to be on my own or he... Um, he didn't know how to contact his mother... Um, but so I remember getting going with him. Um, first of all, we went to Josh's grandparents, my in-laws at the time, um, gave them the news, and then um, he still took me with him onto the place where his mother had was living. And um, we, our relations were not good at the time because we had recently separated. Um, so I waited in the car while he went and told her. And did he arrange for someone to be with you to support you afterwards? No, the support was pretty bad. Um, so that, I remember sitting in the car for 40 minutes by myself, and as you can imagine, while he was in there with, with my wife. Um, um, and you know, as you can imagine, you, you just mind is all over the place. Finally, he came out, and I said, "What on earth's going on?" In so many words, as you can imagine. And um, he said, "Ah, oh, I've told your wife, and now we can go." Um, so I, I remember now looking back, and a couple of cars drove up. So he was obviously waiting with her while she got some support people with her. Um, he then said, "Could I come and view the body?" And um, um, I forget the, the expression, but, you know, confirm it was Josh. So I, I did that. And, um, yeah, I always remember it was pretty bad. I never saw him again after being taken to the waiting room at the hospital. Um, I confirmed it was Josh to another person, and then um, was told I could leave. So did you have people you could turn to to support you? No, I had, um, so that was the end of the official kind of help, shall we say, from police or 
or hospital help or anyone like that. So afterwards, I thought, I don't know what, uh, I need to get home. <laughs> There's no, uh, no way of an offer of a lift or anything like that. So I phoned up a um, very good work friend of mine, uh, Tim, and he um, he came to the hospital straight away and, um, yeah, he picked me up and um, stayed with me throughout that whole night, actually, because, um, you know, as you can imagine, I was pretty delicate. And um, through to the early hours of the morning, um, and I had a uh, kind of new partner at the time who was um, in the North Island at the time. She got news of news of it and flew back that morning. Um, and she took over from Tim in, uh, um, I, I guess you could say, taking care of me, really. Um, yeah, because it was a map such a... You, you, <laughs> you're so shocked. Um, you probably do. You do need someone to keep an eye on you. I'm sure you do. So... Tell us a bit about Josh as a person, because you said you thought he might have been in trouble. Well, Josh, uh, as a person at that age, you mean? Um, yes. Yeah, so he was uh, he, he was um, getting on nearly fourteen, and um, he was, uh, you know, he was going through a stage of um, a bit of naughtiness at school. Where, you know, we were getting. Uh, calls from the school saying he'd been disrespectful to teachers but his behaviour wasn't great and um, funny enough the week before um, he went out after we all went to bed and um, he got caught tagging um, and I had to go and pick him up from the um, police station so he was going through a bit of a rough period at the time but bearing in mind me and his mother had only split up um, four or five months earlier so it wasn't an easy time for him he uh, he chose to live with me um, so and I, I did the best I could in, in looking after him looking back I would have done things a lot different you know I was I myself um, was going through a bit of a grieving stage because of the marriage and perhaps concentrated, my, my, my guilt is perhaps I concentrated more on myself than I, I could have done him at the time. But, you know, these are just silly feelings. What That doesn't make anyone responsible for his death. It was just, um, yeah, it was just a phase. It was just an unfortunate phase of time where things weren't great at home and he was going through a stage of, of um, finding himself, you know, growing up, wanting to, becoming, turning into a young man. And at the time, you were reported in the newspaper saying that you'd lost everything. So how did you actually carry on? Well, it was, um, it was uh, the next few years and I, I, I will say it was years um, I was in shock so um, I, I jumped 
uh, I, I personally um, found myself jumping from relation to relationship, friendship to friendship, uh, but because there was always something missing, um, and I realised that um, you know I I didn't. I was probably drinking too much. It was all a, a, a kind of emotional crutch, which um, unfortunately is only good for one hour. <laughs> Things get a lot worse when you live your life like that. And um, I, was, I was still operating, you know. I was holding down a full-time job. Um, but as I was in shock, and I was also quite bitter looking back as well, um, I found how I had resent for um, watching other kids grow who would have been his age, how they how they were living their life, and I, I did think oh, it should have been my son, you know. But uh, as a way of coping, though, which he did ask us. Billy, you know, uh, people would be surprised at this. I do have a faith, and um, um, I did find that very reassuring. To even when times were bad, in my um, heart, I knew I wasn't totally alone. And um, yeah, my faith kept me going for a few years. The driver of the car that hit Josh was he ever criminally charged? No. No, nothing um, was really, there was no real information on that. Um, I have a feeling he may have been a temporary resident of Christchurch. Um, All I got back from the police was um, he feels very sorry for it, but takes no responsibility that's all I ever that's the only message I ever got back regarding the um, driver uh, never met him he, he yeah he's just a um, can't even no idea what he looked like don't even know what the car was so he made no attempt to try and contact you to express regret that Josh had died no not me personally and I've never had that conversation with Josh's mother, um, but I, I'm pretty sure neither of us have ever heard from him. Would you have liked to have had some contact with him or not? Uh, um, now I would. You know, now I'd like to um, have a um, just say, you know everything's fine, you know. Um, but, you know what, I've never held him responsible. I, I believe the police, that there was no, um, um, nothing, he did nothing wrong. So um, perhaps at the time it would have helped to have even just got a, a note or a message from him, you know. But, um, God forbid, I ever... In it, um, in his position, and his position must have been the worst feeling in the world. Um, but I think perhaps it would be nice to um, send some kind of message through one way or another to the parent. So if you could describe how your grief 
has changed over time because now you're looking back down the years. Yeah, so the grief was, um, was shock for a number of years. And do you know what? I could even still be in shock now. Um, but as the years go on, uh, and the heartbreak, of course, the, the hurt is um, is terrible. The, the hurt and the shock are the first things, and that can go on, change with the indivi- according to the individual. Um, I started to come to terms with things. Um, I, I made a big change in my own lifestyle you know I, I got back into fitness a few years ago and that's really helped me um, I've been very interested in what I eat um, I haven't drank for a number of years drank alcohol that is so with doing that it has helped me come to terms with a lot of Josh um, and that's what you do in the end you, you accept it um, and I can say, yes, I hurt. There are things what come up, what just remind me. Not on a daily basis anymore. Sometimes it's only once a week. Sometimes it's only once every two weeks. Things that make me think of Josh and I, uh, I get a cold shiver and, you know, feel sad. Um, but you can live with that. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is you can... I'm at a stage now that I can live with the fact um, Josh is gone. Yeah, yeah Josh is in um, heaven. When you think of Josh now, how do you remember him? Now, uh, well, it's a funny thing. Um, I still, the really happy times was when he was, uh, uh, for me, uh, was when he was a toddler and he, he grew up in England. And, uh, you know, um, they're the times when I like to think of, you know, this young little boy running around, you know, me and him chasing each other, playing football, that kind of thing. They're really happy times. And I've, But most of my current photos, are, I look around my living room now, there of him a year or two before he passed. Um, very proud of him when I look at him, you know. He's, yeah, uh, he, he, he was a very good-looking boy. And I'm proud to say that I was his father and um, how... <laughs> yeah, and I'm very honest with people, you know. He, he's passed and at first. I never used to be able to say it. People ask me how many children I've got. I'd say I've got three. You know, I would never say I've lost one. But now I've got to the stage where I say I've got two. And that's it. I don't go into it until people who get close to me um, work out there was once a third. And then and they get the information. <laughs> yeah. Did it help having other children? Very much so. Yeah, gives you a big, big reason to carry on. Um, yeah, I don't know how 
I would, if, if he would have been my only child, it would have made matters a lot more difficult. Um, yeah, it was such a huge reason to carry on. And they've been fantastic kids, too. I've been very lucky with them. Um, you know, I'm very proud of them as individuals, how they've coped with the grieving, too, process. And um, how now, uh, now that we just talk about him on a regular basis, a lot of laughing goes on, uh, and, not, not, and not very rarely any sadness when we speak of him. And um, yeah, they they will never know how much they have helped me and his mother carry on. Yeah. Do you keep in contact with any of Josh's friends? Um, no, I don't personally. Um, um, I know his mother keeps in contact with a lot. Um, I've never... I, I, uh, at the time, I shrilled up, perhaps, and made myself not very approachable for uh, other people to keep in contact with me. So um, I don't... And to answer your question, I don't keep in contact with any of his friends at all. Um, but some of the parents who regard his themselves friends of Josh, um, I keep in contact with them. And funny enough, I get a only a last couple of weeks I get a, a Facebook request from someone who whose um, child is a friend of. Josh at the time and their parents friend request me and um, you know so that, yeah and, and, <laughs> in a roundabout way I do keep in contact with people who are there at the time and what's it like when you see a picture of their son let's say at the age that Josh would have been had he not died yeah um, it's um, it's still difficult I was only looking at someone yesterday actually and um yeah, I do have those little feelings still. It's not such a resentment now. It's more of a what, what if, what would have been. Um, you know, he would have been a young man now um, at work. Who knows? I could have been a grandfather. <laughs> Who knows? But, um, yeah, and I look at them and they're young men. And... Um, when I say young men, they're in their twenties. It's um, it's something that I've yeah, I do feel I've missed out on with him. But you know, going back to my other two kids, I've got that to look forward to with them as well. So it's not something I've missed out on. I've only missed out on it with Josh. So um, I have to yeah, yeah, I still have to be grateful for the other two. Are there any rituals that you observe to mark his death annually, let's say? Yeah, as always, his, um, the, the date of the passing is always remembered, 31st of May. Um, and uh, we've got a little cross. Um, it was um, on a roundabout where, where the accident happened so uh, there's land either side of that roundabout so we've got a little cross there which we go and pay a visit to there's also his birthday as well 
um, and uh, yeah, and Christmas. So that, those three days are always a time where uh, we remember Josh. Yeah. Austin, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's such a painful story, but also, as you say, with some hope at the end of it for other people who might be in a similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and everyone's reactions will be different all the, all the time. Um, but just to also add, I've got a sister who's also lost two kids, and um, she would not like to admit, but as time goes on, you do come to accept it. And that's how I felt. And, um, you know, and people mustn't feel guilty. That's the most important thing for accepting it. So the old adage, time heals, has some truth to it. Oh, thank absolutely. Thank you so much, Austin. Thank you, Shirley. You've been listening to The Final Curtain, ordinary New Zealanders telling their stories about death. Podcasts from this series are available online at oar.org.nz and from the accessmedia.nz app. At Death Café Dunedin, the conversation continues. You can join that conversation by listening to other New Zealanders tell their stories about death and, if you want to, by sharing yours. Look for Death Café Dunedin on Facebook for updates and meeting times. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.